into the hands of every individual is given a power for good or evil. To be different, you must think, feel, and act differently. Focus on your purpose, transcend boundaries, impact the world. Alter from death to life. All right, good morning. Well, happy Father's Day to all of you uh, men who are fathers and those of you who are not. May you be a father soon in matrimony. Amen. But uh, it's good to see you. Today I want to speak primarily uh, to the men who have sons. Now, I'm not discounting the daughters, but I really believe that this message is particularly relevant for you. And I want to say to you who, who don't have a father or whose father has somehow either passed from this life to the next or has advocated his role as being your father, that you don't necessarily have to have an earthly father to have a father. And this house, this church, is filled with fathers who can speak into you. And that we have a responsibility to raise up a generation, whether they're biological or adopted. We have a responsibility to teach the things of God in a way that is practical, relevant, and connects with life in such a way that we inherit the blessings of the Father on a daily basis. Amen? You know, there's a story in the Bible about a guy named Joshua. In Joshua in chapter 1, he was told by God to go into the promised land. But before he went, he spoke these words in Joshua 1.6. He said, be strong and of good courage. Now, it's interesting, he says that three times in that first chapter. And you wonder, why does he have to remind him three times to be courageous and to be strong. It is because naturally we are not strong or courageous. We have to put on that persona as men and be courageous and be strong. But that doesn't mean we're always feeling it in our life. Nor does it mean our sons feel it in their life. Because I want to just tell you this, it's hard to be a man. And we hear a lot about women saying how hard it is to be a mother and to be a wife and all those things, and I believe that 100%. All you have to do is go into one delivery room and know that this is an impossible task. I mean, I, I've been there and three times now, and every time I was glad I had taken a first aid class, was able to put my head between my knees and keep from fainting. But it's hard to be a man because you have to always feel like you're in control of the situation. You have to be able to fix everything and put everyone at ease that life will go on even through this crisis that we find ourselves in. You see, entering the promised land for Joshua was not going to be easy any more than you entering into life and the promises of God will be easy. There will be challenges on every step. There will be setbacks that will make you wonder if you will get through this moment in your life. And you look back on life and you sometimes with a, just a relief say, I'm glad I got through that. I hope I don't do it again, only to have it repeated again in the next six months or 10 years, whatever time might be. 
It's interesting in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 12 that Jesus said this, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. And we're reminded there that the kingdom of heaven doesn't come easy or naturally. It comes by when we exercise force in the spiritual realm and realize that we are in a battle that demands everything we've got in order to advance the kingdom. I looked up the definition of the word forcefulness that's defined there, and it says an attitude of fixed determination that presses ahead regardless of every kind of difficulty or discouragement. And that is the calling card of every man. It is you must exercise relentless, persistent diligence even in the midst of setbacks and the turning of all the shadows that come in life. You know, the Bible says that as one man sharpens another man, as steel sharpens steel, so one man sharpens another man. It's interesting because that scripture says as one man sharpens another man. It doesn't say as one woman sharpens another man. It really is a verse that's directed to men. In fact, there are some things that men can say to men that women cannot say to men. In fact, if a woman says some of those things in correction to a man, then the man thinks, well, you're just nagging me. You're like my mother. The man can say to another man something 10 times more harsh, and he goes, yeah, that's right. I believe that. Yeah, yeah. And why is that? Because it's built into men to be shaped by men. Did you hear what I said? It's built into men to be shaped by men. And the hardness of a man, the pride of a man, the insensitivity oftentimes of a man can only be shaped by another man. There's something that happens when a man looks at another man and says, you're stupid. The man looks back at him and goes, you're right. Try let a wife or a woman say that to another man. They're totally offended. They have to defend their manhood now. But you see, there's something that's there. That's why the Bible says, let the older men teach the younger men. That's why it says, let the older women teach the younger women. Because God understands design in everything that he has created. You see, when we begin to think about a father, what is it a father really does? A father guides the destiny of a son. Do you ever think about when you have a son, you are guiding the future of that son? If we could illustrate this idea, it's illustrated in the book of Exodus, explained in the book of Exodus, chapter 20 and verse 5. But think about this is you, and your job is to create the destiny in your son. The Bible says the blessings when we do what is right are a thousandfold. In other words, when I pour into my son the right stuff, there is a multiplying effect of 1,000-fold. But now watch what happens. If I do that well, then that son will pour into his son, my grandson, the same blessing who will pour into his son, the great-great-grandson, and now you begin to see this multiplying effect happening for generations to come. 
And so it's not an accident when you see something coming out of a family where you say, wow, how come they're so blessed for so many generations? It wasn't coincidence. It wasn't lucky. There was something there, and it may not even be you. It may have been your grandfather, your great-grandfather that put a blessing on you that you're enjoying today, and you don't even know you're enjoying it. But you've stopped the, the cycle where you are because you're not passing on the same generational blessings to your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. So we have to take responsibility for that. Also, a father leads through the challenge of masculinity. You see, when you go through masculinity as a, as a boy, it's a difficult thing. I can remember the day very well. I don't have the day on the calendar, but I remember the day because it was an event. I discovered under my arm one hair. Man, do you remember this? Proudest moment of my life. I'd go to the bathroom three times without my shirt. I'd look, there it is. It's just a sapling now, but it'll be a mighty oak one day. Amen? Hey, that's a step in masculinity. Amen? Right? Ladies, you don't understand this because you just shave it off. That's how we know we're different. Well, maybe all of you ladies don't shave it off. I don't know what's going on. And then you have that next moment of masculinity where you're going through that next stage of masculinity and that all ominous, menacing pimple arrives. It always arrives the wrong time, wrong place. You ever notice that? It's like the day you've built up enough courage to go ask the girl to sit next to you in class. And there it pops up right between your eyes. You look like the unicorn called from God. <laughs> then your voice changes. It begins to crack. And you're talking to someone, and all of a sudden it just does one of those things. You don't even know where it came from. You're just trying to be a man. And then there's that menacing guy who always grew up faster than you did, who actually has muscles and not fat. He looks like a man. He looks like your dad. You look like his son. You're so intimidated. You go, I don't even know what to do with this guy. Look at him. I remember Bruce Holalter had to wrestle him in seventh grade. I was 154 pounds of pure lard. I looked across at Bruce Holhalter. He looked like my dad. Hair was coming out of the top of his shirt. I'm not lying here. I thought I saw a shadow on his face. My coach told me to go get him. I ran out there with all the diligence power I had, and he pinned me in less than 15 seconds. Where did that guy come from? I hope he aged quickly. I hope I look better than he does now. But who knows? But you see, navigating that, and when a father can speak to a son, you're going to get through this, son. These are challenging moments, but masculinity will move through there. And by the way, in masculinity, I want you to know that there is a male and a female. That's how God did it. Every other thing that's happening out there, God didn't do. Amen? And you have to teach children about masculinity, about femininity. Because who's going to teach them if they don't? Your schools won't teach them. Culture won't teach them. And you say, well, I just want to change the world. Well, you won't. How's that? Man, no man in this room is going to change the world, but guess what? You can change your world. You can influence the culture of your household, the place you work, the place where you shop, the place where you live. You can have an influence on changing that. And if enough men will do that, guess what? Together we can change the world, amen? 
Amen. It's we join hands together. We can do something great for the kingdom. Also, a father teaches a son how to react in a crisis. Crises will come in our life. No one is exempt from a crisis in your life. You're going to have times where you're going to wonder, can I make it through this? There's something reassuring when a father says, you're going to get through this. How do you know, Dad? Because I went through something very similar, and I got through this. You don't even have to say how. You don't even have to say how long it's going to take. You just, if you just know your father believes in you, you can get through that. You see, we have a heavenly father who believes in you. And he says throughout the word of God, you can get through this. I believe in you. I've been through these difficult times. I've been, these, I've been challenged. My son was challenged. But guess what? He got through. And I want you to know, through when you come to the place when you're willing to die to your problem, there's a resurrection on its way. Amen? Amen. Put your hands together. That's something good. There's a resurrection coming after every great problem in your life. It also models the stages of life. When you, when you lead your son, you're going to model different stages of life. And there are stages where you go, this is what you learn in this stage. This is what you learn in this stage. This is how you become reflective. There's those times where you're, you're reaching for the stars and you're trying to succeed at everything you've got in life. And you're trying to do that. But there will come a point where you go, you know what? Now it's time to enjoy what you have. Now it's time. You've moved from success to significance. Now it's time to go on to the next chapter in your life. And they begin to learn that. They begin to shape that in, the, in a person's life. And so you begin to see how God works. But I want you to see as we move into this that the days of Elijah are coming. Malachi chapter 4. I want to use this as a basis of our message today. And here's what Malachi said. And it's the last book in the Old Testament. And God strategically took the last few verses and he says this. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now, it's really interesting when you begin to think about it because who was Elijah? Elijah was this famous prophet that, that had seven major miracles in his ministry. But one of special significance was when the, he confronted Jezebel, that prophetess who brought evil into the land. And she had permeated the land with a Jezebel spirit of sin and debauchery and evil. And it was Elijah who broke the Jezebel spirit in that day and wiped out the prophets of Baal. And he says, you're going to need the, uh, the prophet Elijah in the last days to break the Jezebel spirit that's come upon the land. And we are living in last days. We are living when we need to confront the Jezebel spirit that exists in our world that says compromise, sin is okay, conform to culture, all of those things. But God says, no, I'm going to send a prophet. And you know what we learn from Scripture is that God always sends what you need, what you need when you need it. You see, you go through life, you go, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. Do you trust in God? He'll provide. Yeah, but what about this? He'll provide. You see, part of walking by faith and not by sight is believing that God will provide before you see the evidence of it. That's why in Romans 4 it says you call those things that are not as though they are. That's faith. We like to put it like this. you got to say it so when it's not so in order for it to be so. That's faith. 
I'm acting on something outside of my visual, but I'm acting in my spirit man to, to bring it about in my world, the world that I live. And what's going to happen? Well, you see, when God does that, God has a provision before you ever have a problem. So you say, what's the, well, I don't know, how's God going to do it? Don't worry how God does it. God will do it. You know, when I would go to my dad and something was broken, remember those broken toys? Now we just send them back to Amazon. But in the old days, you had to actually fix them. And so I went to my dad, Dad, can you fix this? And he'd look at it, and you, you, knew, you knew deep in your heart that he could fix it. I don't know how he's going to do it. How are you going to do it, Dad? He said, just don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. And sure enough, it would get fixed somehow. Now, it may not have been as good as it was when it was brand new, but it's fixed. I can use it. I can operate on it. And you see, what happens is that's how God works. God says, I'm going to fix it. It may look different than you think, but I'm going to fix it. Well, how, are you going to, how am I going to get through this? Well, you know what? Sometimes we have to reset a bone. But we're going to put a cast on it until it heals. Sometimes the net's going to get broken, but we're going to mend it. You're going to catch fish again. And in the process of healing and delay is going to be reflection. And you're going to reflect on the goodness of God and what I do in the process to bring you back to the point of full restoration. And that's how God works. Amen? Turning hearts. What does God do? He turns hearts. Let's go back to Malachi chapter 4 again. It says, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Did you notice what it says? He says, I'm going to turn fathers to children. He doesn't say mothers. He doesn't say sons to their fathers. He says, initially, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take fathers and I'm going to turn their hearts. So when the son says, oh, if my dad can change, I can change. I see the transformation going on in my dad. If he can admit he's wrong, I can admit I'm wrong. If I can get through a crisis, if my dad can get through a crisis, I can get through a crisis. And we learn those kind of things. And, and so every son is wanting to know, is change possible? Can we make a difference? Do you, how many of you remember Rocky IV? Remember Rocky IV? That was when he fought the Russian. Raise your hand in pride. You saw Rocky IV. Now, those of you who have not seen it, I encourage you to see it this afternoon. There's a scene where now, here's the scene. Rocky is going to battle this monster of a man, chiseled steel. I was the before photo for that guy. You know, before and after, get that? Okay. So anyway, he's, 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 they're battling. You don't know who's going to win. You, you're pretty sure Rocky's going to get it. He's going to win, right? And they're battling. They're battling. And then at the end, Rocky gets the microphone. And by the way, when he walks into the arena, everybody's booing Rocky. All the Russians are because it's fought in Russia. And they're all booing Rocky, you know. And then, and then here comes Ivan, and, you know, he's, you know, he's got a, you know, a jaw that could crack a walnut, and he comes walking in, and, and, uh, and they're all, you know, clapping and on their feet. Well, all of a sudden, Rocky in the last round, he's starting to win. Can you feel it happening right now? How many of you can feel Rocky winning right now? Can you hear the music? It's pounding right now. If we had Jordan on the keyboard, he could play this. All right, it's pounding away, and all of a sudden, he wins. The crowd starts to chant, Rocky, Rocky. Can you say it with me? Rocky. Rocky. All right, all right, all right, all right. See, there it is. Look at this. All right. I didn't even know we had that. So anyway, he gets up and he gets the microphone. You remember Rocky? Remember the scene, what he says? If I can change, you can change. If Russia can change, America can change. 
The whole world can change. Adrian! Adrian! So good. It's all your son needs to hear. If I can change, you can change. That's it. And think about it. Rocky solved all the geopolitical issues in one fight. You got to love it, amen? You got to love it. Well, look what it says. And the hearts of the children to their fathers. You see, so first the father changed, then the children changed, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. So what happens if this transformation doesn't happen from fathers to sons? It says the world will go through difficulty and challenges that he defines as a curse. That is the lack of the favor of God on the situation. That's what a curse is. He said, so what I want you to do is I want you to act in that spirit of Elijah. I want you to break down those walls. I want you to be the father who leads the way. You see, because God himself will bring about changed hearts. See, when it all comes down to it, we don't change because somebody tells us to change. We change because God so makes it so appealing that he draws us into change and we're transformed. And when you have that self-discovery empowered by the Spirit of God, you go, wait a minute, I have been a knucklehead. I think I'll stop doing that. Guys, can you relate to this? See, guys can relate to this. Because God talks to guys differently than he talks to girls. My wife, God calls baby girl. God calls me knucklehead. You just got to talk different to guys than you do to girls. We used to have the boys, they were little, and we'd get down and fight and wrestle and tear up everything in the house. She's crying. She, th- she doesn't know what's going on. She said, stop it. Stop it. What's wrong with her, Dad? I don't know. That's what guys do because we're made to be warriors. Warriors in the kingdom world, warriors in the corporate world, we're made to be fighters and warriors. And we have to develop those skills. And that's a different category altogether. You see, patterns and habits in our life, though, needs to change. There's some things in your life, gentlemen, that need to change today. They just need to change. Either the way you're thinking, the way you're talking, the way you're acting, whatever, it just needs to change. And there are triggers in your life that kick those things off. You ever notice that? Like, I don't even know why I did that or why I said that then. And there was something in your life that just triggered it. When we study science, we know that our brain is malleable. That means it, it can be shaped differently. We never know that 50 years ago, but we know it today. We also know that as we, shape, as we think different, we can shape our mind. We can take out toxic thoughts and replace those with good and healthy thoughts. And there are neural pathways in your brain that are established by use. Some people say, well, I just have an addictive personality. No, you have bad habits. You just keep practicing the same, same thing, and after 63 days, you have a neural pathway that's stuck. You have to break up the fallow ground. You have to, you have to re- reseed some stuff in there that's life. And when you begin to, to recreate those pathways in your brain, you begin to go, wait, I'm thinking clear again. What happened? You had a renewed mind. And God wants you to do that. you got to identify what's the trigger that gets me in that mess. Then put a lock on the trigger. You ever seen those? You get a pistol, you put a little little key in there, you can't pull the trigger. Gun's still there. You're not going to get away with some of the weaknesses in your life, but you can put a lock on the trigger. 
I see a lot of women clapping now, not many men. I'm a little worried here. Come on now. Let's try it again. You got to put a lock on the trigger. That's pitiful. We, I, you know, I can't even, I'm going to have to preach another hour just to get you clapping. Amen? All right, let's keep moving here. Generational curses will be broken. You see, there are things that happen. Just like this is a, a generational blessing, you can also have a generational curse. And so what you're doing is you're imposing something on your children, your children's children, that you don't like and you think they'll have to make their own decisions. There's some things you don't even make a decision about because you are so a product of either the environment you live in or the genetics you're made of. And unless you're redirected and guided in a new way, you're going to keep doing the same things. You say, you know, I don't know why I do this because my granddad did it my dad did it too. Yeah? And guess what? You want your children to do it? Oh, no, I don't want them to do it. One thing if I'm, you know, a mess, but I don't want them to be a mess. Well, when you don't want to change, you're making them a mess. Think about it like this. Your genetics and the blessings of the past or the curses of the past are an invisible barrier keeping you from doing and being who you need to be. You feel like you're boxing in the air, just shadow boxing? Man, I'm, I, I'm, I'm fighting, but I don't even know who I'm hitting. I'm not winning. I'm not winning. What does God want? God wants visions and dreams to be a part of your destiny. Let's think about that. Let's look, look what it says here in Numbers chapter 6 and verse 24 through 26. I used to pray this over and say this over our kids all the time. Um, and and it's, it's the Aaronic blessing. Now, here's what I want you to do. Man, I want you to write this verse down. If you're sitting next to a man, make sure he writes it down. Will you do that? Okay, are you ready? You can type it in your phone. You can write it down. But I want you to write down Numbers chapter 6, Okay. Was it 24 through 26, I think? Okay. Now, why do I want you to write it down? Because last week you learned something about your brain. This is what percentage of your brain you use according to the latest studies. Some people can use up to 8%. That means 92% of your brain is sitting on the bench doing nothing. So write it down. Got it? How many of you wrote it down? Raise your hand if you rose your hand. I just love to intimidate those who do. Keep them up. Keep them up. Now look around. Who didn't write it down? Give them the eye. Just give them the eye in Jesus' name, not the evil eye, the eye in Jesus' name. Okay, here's how it goes. The Lord bless you. Now imagine if you, if you said to your son or your daughter this, the Lord bless you. This is prophetic. The Lord keep you. That's a word that means to protect from evil. The Lord bless you. That's the good. The Lord keep you from evil. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you. I want the Lord to sh- whose face to shine on you. I want you to feel the warmth. I want you to feel the power. I want you to feel the presence. And it goes on to say, and be gracious to you. Be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. Countenance of a face. 
So when Moses came down from the presence of God, his face shone with the presence of God. The countenance, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, and may he give you his peace. What do you think would happen if you began to pronounce that over your children? It takes maybe a minute to say that. You tell me you don't have time to say that to your kids, then you need to rearrange your life. You look at your kid in the morning, you say, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. May the Lord give you, be gracious to you and give you peace. That's a prophetic blessing. That's powerful. That's really powerful. And maybe it's a generation, two generations down the road, and there's a great, great grandchild that you never got to meet. And they get up and they say to their kid, May the Lord bless you, keep you. And the little boy goes, or the little girl goes, Daddy, why do you say that? I don't know. We've been saying it ever since I can remember. Wow. Sometimes there's a reason why people are blessed for generations. There's been blessings of, uh, for generations going on. Let me give you a couple of thoughts here. God's dream is for every generation to flourish. You know if God has a dream over you? God has good for you, amen? I have good plans for you, says God. Not evil, I have good for you. Blessings impart spiritual power, confidence, and control. You know what control is? Discipline. Man, if you're not disciplined in all areas of life, then you're undisciplined. Isn't that brilliant? Undisciplined means you don't have control. If you don't have control, you don't have confidence. If you don't have confidence, you don't have power. See, because power comes from confidence. When I feel confident, I can do more, don't you? I don't feel confident. I can't do anything. How about when somebody speaks confidence into you, right? My wife was over at Cal State Fullerton running the stairs and with their coach and getting her to run the stairs. Come on, you can do it. What? She didn't want to run those stairs. She ran more stairs because somebody said, I believe you can run those stairs, Right? That's what you speak into your generation. Generational blessings, uh, when we think about generational blessings, extend your influence. So you can extend your influence forever and ever into the future, into people you'll never meet. And generational blessings must be pronounced. You have to speak over someone. You see, when God created the heavens and the earth, he spoke the world into existence. He didn't think the world into existence. When you pray, I believe real prayer has to be verbal. I think when you're praying in your head, you're meditating. He said, I don't believe that. Well, check me out in Scripture. Prove me wrong. God uses words. He spoke the world into existence. He said, his son, who is the living word, to give you the written word. And he always said, whenever someone was here, he said, you say to that mountain, you speak to that mountain, it will be picked up and moved in the sea. He said, I'm just going to think that mountain's going to move. Jesus never said that. When you give a generational blessing, you speak it over them. You look at them and go, I pronounce over you the blessing." You're going to succeed. You're going to get through this. You're going to do well. You're going to, you're going to prosper beyond your wildest imagination. I was reading in uh, one of the books of Derek Prince the other day, and Derek Prince was a, was a Cambridge scholar who found Christ as a professor at Cambridge and then just began to overturn everybody's mindset of, of what a, a brilliant man is in terms of that, that setting. He was a contemporary of C.S. Lewis. He died about 
I don't know, maybe six, eight years ago, wrote about 60 books. I really recommend them, but this is one thing he said, talking about the words we speak, whether they're good or they're bad. He said this, a word spoken was some particular form of spiritual power and authority. All right? So if I speak this word over someone, I say, you will thrive as a, as a man of God, as a woman of God. You will do that. That's power and authority given. That's different than going, man, I hope you have some power in your life. No, I speak over you what's already promised in the Word of God. You see it? And for good or evil. So I can speak, I can pronounce something over someone that's not good for them. For example, you could say to your son or your daughter, you know, you're stupid, you never amount to anything. We don't, we don't ever succeed and we're always poor. You just pronounced all kinds of curses over your children. You just said, I don't care about you. You are no significance. I feel bad about me. Therefore, you need to feel bad about you. Hey, if that comes out of your mouth, you need to retrieve it. You need to repent and restore and return back to the promises of God. Amen? All right, let's go on. He sets in motion something that will probably go on from generation to generation. So we sang a song. It's a new song that uh, part of our team wrote called Prophesy. Wasn't it a great song? I told him I want us to sing that every week for seven weeks so that we get all the bugs worked out of it get it right where we want to do it, and then I want to record it. But I love it because it's just so powerful, isn't it? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to close with that song, Prophesy. Okay? And here's, I got, I got an assignment for you. You ready for it? Number one is sing it with all your heart. Whether you sing well or not, we don't care. I'm a testimony of that. Sing loud. If you don't like it, move. Okay? But here's the second thing. Prophesy where you want to go and where you want your children to go. Prophesy over you as a man. What, do you, what kind of man do you want to be? Just speak that over you. I want to be a strong man. Then prophesy it over you. I want to be a courageous man. Speak it over you. I want to be a man who leads others. Then speak it over you. Speak it over you. Prophesy over you. Amen? Let's stand together and let's prophesy unto the Lord. Amen?